think it's growing the whole time, but the SaaS is not, you know, it's really an enabler for us. We're not trying to build a big SaaS business. Okay. Um, so, yes, uh, the, the answer is yes, but, but also um, we don't particularly care. Um, you are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is V. Schreiber. He's the founder and CEO of Freightos. Freightos is the digital platform of the booking platform for the half-trillion-dollar international freight industry. The company connects airlines, ocean liners, freight forwarders, manufacturers, and retailers to make international shipping digital and smooth. Previously, he was the CEO of Light Tech, acquired by GE, and founder and CEO of Unicorn, acquired by IBM and other tech startups. He's spoken widely and written many articles, including many patents. He's a PhD in computer science and is the author of Fizz, which tells the history of physics as a novel, soon to be published, Money Going Out of Style, and the soon to be published Money Going Out of Style. V, you ready to take us to the top? Let's go. Patents, books, freight logistics, you do everything, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, like I always uh, say, I just can't, you know, just have a problem sitting still, so, so I do stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, hey, this is great. Listen, quick quick update for folks that may have missed our first interview, which is back, I think, in 2018. Um, help people understand. Can you give a real-life example? You know, there is a, uh, there's an e-commerce brand in New York that sources 1,000 shoes per month from China. Where do you fit into their ecosystem? Yeah, so so we're a platform that connects all the players in international freight. So, uh, and there's two main layers actually. So, if you're an importer, you're importing some stuff from China, then you need you need to arrange shipping. Uh, and typically, you'd source that from a freight forwarder. Freight forwarder is like a like a travel agent for for cargo, right? Um, and so, uh, but in the past, and even today, uh, most times that would be done offline. You'd phone them up, you'd email them, you'd get an answer after two days. So we provide a, a modern, you know, website where you can get prices from multiple freight forwarders instantly, choose and book online. So it's bringing, you know, in passenger travel, we've had this for 25 years, but we're bringing the same convenience, the same digitalization to uh, shipping to allow the um, allow the importers and the exporters to, to transparently choose and book freight forwarding. Now, there's another layer. Once you book with a freight forwarder, um, they need to book with the airline, with the ocean liner, uh, as well as customs brokerage and trucking and trains and all of that. But the main leg would be either ocean or air for, for international. And so we, we also provide, uh, we have um, a, the second part of our company is called Web Cargo, and that will connect oh, with web, web, web Cargo. Web Cargo, yeah, Web Cargo. It's a company we acquired five years ago now. Uh, it's a you know important part of our business, and that will connect the freight forwarders to the airlines and the ocean liners. Uh, and in particular, where we're seeing a lot of growth is connecting the freight forwarders to the airlines. Believe it or not, till, till a couple of years ago, that didn't happen. Cargo was always booked on airlines uh, manually till very recently, but we've been able to digitalize that. And that is growing super fast. It's grown like a thousand percent in the last uh, year. So it's been a very, very exciting ride. Web Cargo. Okay, great. And when, what year did you make that acquisition in? Uh, 2016. 
So it's coming up to five years. Yeah, it was a great company based in Barcelona, Spain, founded out of founded by two guys, Manel and Enrique, out of their college dorm about twelve years ago. They'd built it up purely organically um, to the point where they had about a thousand freight forwarders using their software. Now, since we merged, it's at least uh, two thousand. And um, you know, with our backing, we've been able to transition that from being just a software business to being a real transactional platform, which is growing very, very fast. So that's that's been a fun ride. So we, we can't obviously skip over the last year and a half. COVID was sort of yeah, interesting. Yeah. When it first hit, what was going through your head? What was happening inside at Fredo's? Well, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was quite a roller coaster. Um, as it's hard to remember now, but in April, you know, this March, April of last year, suddenly it became clear that COVID was a big deal and things happened very quickly. China shut its borders after Chinese New Year. The factories didn't come back. There was nothing shipping out of China and, and China was half of our business, you know. Um, and then the airlines worldwide got grounded. So there was virtually no air cargo. Uh, all of that happened very quickly. It was a scary time. We, we actually went through the sad process of downsizing our team a bit because we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, having said that... How, how many employees were you and then how many did you have to let go, unfortunately? We went down at the time from about um, roughly 240 to 200. Okay. Um, so it wasn't a huge proportion of the team, but it's always very sad when you have to do that. We lost some good people, but we've actually... Now bigger than 240, and in fact, uh, in a couple of cases, the same people came back and worked with us again, which is great. Um, so yeah, so that was the, the flip side. You know, by the time August came around last year, um, retail people started shopping just as much as before. In fact, more than before, albeit more e-commerce and, and less, um, you know, high street, obviously less, uh, you know, uh, malls. But so that's good for us. E-commerce is a good sector for us. So. Um, Suddenly, shipping volumes were actually up and breaking records, and that's continued till today. I mean, uh, shipping shipping is breaking new records of volumes and prices uh, as we speak. Uh, we track that. We also provide the data feed for daily shipping prices. It's called the FBX index, and uh, that's being quoted a lot in the press at the moment because the, those prices are, are up 200 and, depending on the routes, 250% or more year on year. Um, so funnily enough, um, as, um, as things recovered, this has actually been a great time for shipping and a great time for our business. Help me understand this real quick. So on fbx.freightos.com right now, it says current FBX $5,926 up 9%. What's that mean? Um, so, so that is the, if you're looking at the headline, I'm just pulling it up as well. If you're looking at the headline figure, yeah, that is the average price across all trade lanes. Um, the average price for shipping a 40 foot container on any long haul. So, so it could be China to America, China to uh, Europe, transatlantic. And then we break it down by trade lanes. But that's just the average price um, you know, worldwide for, for shipping a 40-foot container, which is the most common size. Uh, to give you an idea, a year ago, that was $1,300. Yep. Um, so, so that's like tripled, um, more than tripled. I'm trying to go back to pre-COVID. The first thing go back in your chart is June 2019, which is 1317, um, which I guess that was pre-COVID, right? I guess that was. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So, so even COVID didn't really make a blip in these prices. When I look at the 2020 time period on here, they sort of fluctuated between 1400 and sort of 2200. What's driven the massive increase in in the in the cost of this? You know, really in the last six months, January 2021 right. to today. Well, first of all, to be fair, that that's more than a blip. You know, going up from fourteen hundred 
to 2200 is in itself a, a very nice increase okay. um, of almost 50%. So, so COVID, um, you know, the second half of last year did have a positive impact. It did drive prices up. Uh, but as you say, not nearly as dramatically as we've had in, in the last half year. Um, it, it's interesting. There's been a combination of factors. First of all, retail remains strong. Uh, even as people spend less money on restaurants and services, they're spending more money on, on goods. So uh, retail remains strong. And then you've had these, these various events. You had the Suez Canal blockage that created a lot of stress on a system which was already at, at full capacity. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, you've had a, a major COVID outbreak at the Yantian port in South China. Uh, 25% of the goods that ship from China to the US ship out of Yantian. And that port is down, its capacity is down 70% because there was an outbreak of COVID and, and staff got sent home. Um, and, and there's a lot of ripple effects because the whole, the ships were full anyway, and then you get the Suez Canal uh, blockage, you get Yantian outbreak. Um, and then there's ripple effects because there are something like 70 ships roughly anchored outside Yantian waiting to, to come into port. Mm. Uh, that means that you've got thousands of, I mean, tens of thousands of containers which are out of circulation. So now there's a shortage of physical containers, the, the metal boxes. Um, so the whole system is very um, full. And then when you have more disruptions, um, the, 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 they just can't recover and the prices skyrocket. And, and uh, as you're seeing, uh, fbx.fredos.com is, is really where the industry tracks all of that price because we have more data than anyone else about what's happening in the pricing. And, 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 and this will impact... Uh, just to be clear to your listeners, this is a big increase, big enough that it will impact the, the price of goods, you know, on the shelf this summer. I was going to say, is this a leading indicator of, of what we're going to see with inflation and price increases and decrease in purchasing power? I mean, would you argue this is a leading indicator of that? Yes, it is. Yeah, this is definitely a factor of inflation. Normally, you know, on average, um, shipping is about 5% of the price of an imported good. When you buy a product in the shop, most of them are imported. And on average, uh, shipping is about 5%. Now, of course, if you buy a really big, cheap toy, um, then, then shipping would be a much bigger proportion. If you buy an iPhone or, or some jewelry, which is small and valuable, then, then the shipping is a smaller proportion. So it does depend on the product. But if we take an average, it's about 5%. And therefore, if shipping goes up 10%, 20%, it doesn't make a big difference. But when shipping goes up 200% or more, then that's 10% on the price of the good. Yeah. Now, the retailer may, may eat some of that. They may absorb some of that. But yeah, you're going to see a significant impact on prices. And, and likewise, this may not last. You know, there, there may be a couple more ships come into, come into, the, uh, into use and, and maybe the prices crash. And then, uh, you know, that can, that can make prices cheaper. So it could be that some of the inflation we're seeing right now in the US may be transitory related to shipping costs, which will eventually come back down. And the, how does all impact Freightjet as a business? Your ability to grow your revenue when when you go from fifteen hundred FBX up to what it you know almost six thousand now today over over the course of twelve months? Do you guys make more money on that? How do you price? We do actually, yeah, because you know our revenue is a percentage of the of the transactions that we bring in, um, and so when the <coughs> when the prices are higher, then uh, we're making more revenue. Having said that, I don't like growing that way because yeah. the problem with that is it can go both ways, right? So, yeah. so you get all excited, your revenue has gone up and up and up, and then suddenly the prices crash back down. So I don't like uh, growing that way. I much prefer the, the growth that comes from doing more transactions, which we're seeing as well. Um, the other thing that helps us is the volatility. You know, when things are stable, then a lot of importers get lazy. They do a long-term contract. You know, they, they use the same freight forwarder and the same 
route. Um, and when things are volatile and the prices are changing and the Suez Canal is blocked or, 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 the, or the Trump tariffs or things are changing a lot, um, that's good for us because then people need quick uh, data. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. If we take that um, total transaction volume number in 2019 pre-COVID, what did you guys do through your platform? We were the total value of our transactions. Um, I don't remember the exact number in 2019. Oh, yes, I do. It was about um, low, let's say I won't give an exact number, but low 20, uh, a little over 20 million. 20 million. And this year it should be well over 200 million. That's okay. And what was it during COVID? Uh, COVID, it was up a bit. It was sort of close, closer to 30 million. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, ser- I mean, serious gains between. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 and 2021, it's affected, you know, yeah. things are reopening, but also prices are increasing drastically. So Yeah, but but also, um, to be fair, also because there's a real a change in the airlines becoming digital. So we, we were getting very little transactions with the airlines directly. Uh, going into a year ago, we only had like three airline groups who, who were able to connect to us digitally. And so at the same time as, as prices going up, like you said, volatility going up, but there's also been a, a revolution, which we call digital air cargo. That's been a big part of our growth as well. I see. And is this your number? This is your only revenue stream? It's percent of sales through your platform? Or are there other ways you monetize? So that is the main revenue stream. Uh, but we also provide software as a service tools, SaaS tools, huh. uh, to help the freight forwarders. We have 2,000, 2000 freight forwarders around the world who are using our software to help manage their, their buy rates and their sell rates. Um, and we also make a very small amount of revenue from the data itself. You just you took a look, uh, yep. Nathan, at the uh, FBX website. So a lot of that we give away for free, but some people do pay us for uh, more detailed data as well. I want to get more into that in a, in a second. Um, but, but first, so on these 2,000 freight porters that are using you for buy and sell side of uh, instrumentation in the SaaS product, I think last time I came on the show, you told me that on average they're paying called like a grand per month, so like $12,000 sort of ACVs. Is that sort of still in line with what you're seeing today? Um, let me just check. Yeah, no, the average, um, your question was the average revenue per freight forwarder per month. On the SaaS product, yeah. Yeah, on the SaaS product. It's less than that. It's a few, I won't give an exact number, but it's several hundred dollars. Uh, Now, it varies varies, uh, greatly because you've got some freight forwarders are using the free version, not paying us anything, but, but... Driving bookings, which is our main business, yep. you've got big freight forwarders who pay you know many thousands of dollars, uh, if not even tens of thousands of, do- of dollars per month. Yep. So uh, there's a huge uh, range. Is the, if we take that two thousand times a couple hundred, I'll just say I'm putting words in your mouth now, but I'll say three hundred, right? That's like six hundred grand a month in revenue just on your SaaS product. Do you think you can grow just your SaaS product into more than a million dollars per month in the next twelve months? So more than a ten million run rate. It's growing the whole time, but the SaaS is not, you know, it's really an enabler for us. We're not trying to build a big SaaS business. Okay. Um, so, yes, uh, the, the answer is yes, but but also um, we don't particularly care um, in the sense that our, our biggest growth by far and our future is, is as a transactional business. Yeah. I was really happy when you agreed to come on because when I was looking at your funding history, once you're on the VC track, you know this, you're on the VC track and your last raise was back in 2018. And I'm going, man, if Z doesn't come out with an announcement in the next couple of months, like I hope his cash position is good. And I hope he got through COVID. Okay. It sounds like you're killing it, but how did you manage that? Many people would look at your funding history and go, something's going on here. They haven't raised recently. What's happening? 
Well, we don't announce everything that we do, <laughs> but we're okay. well funded. So have you have you raised sometime over the past two years and you just didn't announce it? Well, if I chose not to announce it, I'm not going to tell you. But <laughs> well, hey, we like, like to get breaking news. Well, here. yeah, I understand. But we're, did, we're you, well did, you use, did you use an alternative capital source like debt, for example, or something besides traditional equity? <laughs> um, I'm choosing not to answer that, okay. uh, Nathan. We'll move. We'll move. But, we'll move uh, forward. We're, uh, we're we're strongly funded. You're strongly funded. Great. And and so let me go back now as we wrap up to the um, the the media business. So SaaS companies today, if you can build a media brand, my gosh, that's arbitrage on cap because everyone comes to you as a source of truth whose idea was it to launch the fbx what year did you launch it and true or false are you able to get customers cheaper than your competitors because everyone comes to you as a trusted source so true first of all yes and uh, believe it or not the traffic because of all the volatility in the prices traffic to the fbx website is growing like 10x or more i think uh, just in in the last few weeks even so that's a fantastic way of acquiring customers. So, so that's very perceptive, and that's correct. Uh, we first launched that under a different name before we partnered with the B, the Baltic Exchange. Uh, we launched it about four years ago, I think. I don't remember the exact date. Okay. Um, and the traffic to that side has been growing. And the, but, but now, in the last week, it's been such a big issue. And, and, and the last few weeks, you, you mentioned inflation. So it's been picked up in Reuters and Wall Street Journal. And you know, all the major newspapers are quoting the FBX index, which is, which is exciting. Interesting. Add up, obviously, you have all your revenue streams, you're bringing back some of the employees you had to lay off on COVID, which is great. It was a great comeback story. What do you anticipate you'll grow as a business this year in terms of you know percentage year-over-year growth? Um, well, in terms of, um, if I look at the gross bookings, just do a quick calculation so I don't get it wrong. Uh, yeah, we should grow 800% in the bookings. The 800%, okay, 800% yeah. in bookings, which you then take a yeah. percentage for your revenue. Yeah, correct. Now, some of our revenue is growing. I'm not going to give you the exact growth of the revenue, yeah. um, but some of the revenue is growing. You know, absolutely linearly with the uh, you know growing uh, 800. You know, with that 800 percent. Other revenue, there's parts of the growth which we're not fully monetizing yet. So some of those bookings are growing, but uh, but we're in growth mode, and some of it isn't monetized. So the the growth of the actual net revenue will not be as high as that, but it will be very high. Would you ever go out, you know, this year and, and sort of use some of the money you're making from all this growth and go acquire a, a, a you know, a media brand? FTX has worked well for you. You could double down and go acquire something like Freight Waves, for example. Would you ever go do that? Uh, I doubt we'd buy, we've got no plans in buying a media brand, um, but because we're already, you know, we're already doing well on our own in that. But on the platform side, you know, we have made acquisitions in the past twice. Uh, Web Cargo is the biggest one. Um, and yes, we, we may well do that again. We're always keeping an eye out for good good businesses which enhance our transactional business. All right, Zvi, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book besides your own. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think I told you last time, I don't think it's changed. Crossing the Chasm, an old yeah. classic, yeah. It's a really good one. Jeffrey Moore. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? No. Number three. No, yeah. No, that's okay. You don't have to have one. Uh, number three, <laughs> what's your favorite on the online tool for building Fredos? Favorite online tool? Um, okay. Well, I've got a few, um, but, but one which I'm enjoying working with very much at the moment is Google Data Studio. Uh, we use Domo as well, but at the moment, I'm finding Google, Google Data Studio very, very powerful for creating business intelligence, both, both internally and for our customers. 
Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I sleep well. I sleep seven hours or so. That's great. And Z, minus your situation, married, single kids? Uh, I am married and I've got kids and grandkids. How many kiddos? <laughs> Four kids and wow. my daughter and my daughter has three kids. Holy Mac, a busy guy. Okay, married. Uh, <laughs> How old are you? How old am I? Yep. I'm uh, 52. 52. Last, Last question. Week. Okay, happy late birthday. Thank you. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? No, oh, I don't know. Um, I think it was fun discovering things for myself. I wouldn't have wanted any shortcuts. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Fredo's launched many years ago. They survived COVID in 2019. They helped process over $20 million of transaction volume through their platform. Uh, in 2020, they saw a slight increase to $30 million. Now in 2021, on track to break $200 million because they're getting a lot more traction with airline groups. The world's opening back up. The FBX sort of average rate went from $1,500 bucks, you know, shipped from China to the West Coast of the Americas up to like $6,000, which obviously helps drive Fredo's revenue. But they have other revenue streams. Their SaaS tools used by over 2000 Freight forwarders to manage buy and sell rates. They pay several hundred bucks a month for that. And he looks to continue to scale really on the back of his media, media and data business at fbx.fredos.com. V, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. It was fun.